Good morning. We're thinking about common causes and uh, breaks down into three different ones, um, communion and community and commission. Communion is sitting together and understanding what Christ has done and by faith that we get to experience that for free. And community, which is walking together. And we'll talk about that this morning and then commission we'll deal with in a couple of weeks. When, if, with respect to community, uh, Paul gives us a couple of commands. We're going to think of one today and one next week. And the commands are to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And that's what we're going to think about today. What does that mean? Next week, we'll think about let the peace of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ, what it says is, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule. It means to let the peace of Christ act as arbiter or coach or umpire. When you're making a decision, follow the lead, the coaching instructions of the peace of Christ. And so that we naturally, what does that mean? Uh, does it mean, and I've heard it said that if we have a feeling of peace, that's when you should do something. So you're thinking about doing this or that. Do you feel peace in your heart? Do you have a sense of peace? And if you do, then do it. And if you don't, then don't do it. Um, is that what it means in the context? What does it mean in the context? Well, let's look and see what the context is. Here's what it says. Paul writes, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And here it is. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. What it's talking about is those who were part of the body of Christ, and they were an unlikely collection. They were Greeks and Jews circumcised Jews and uncircumcised barbarians, Scythians. Scythians were, they were kind of uber barbarians. They were from the hill country and they were considered extreme barbarians. Um, slave or free. The motley crew, this motley crew had been granted peace with God through faith in Christ. He included these, this motley crew in the ability to be part of his forever family. And the point seems to be with respect to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, it's not so much a feeling of peace. For a Jew, the heart is not the place of emotions. It's the place of decision-making. When you determine what it is you're going to do, that's what you decide in your heart. So what it's saying, let the peace of Christ act as judge, arbiter 
or coach in your heart. And it seems to relate to the fact, well, to this question, um, should I accept this person or not? Well, I'm a Greek and they're a Jew. I'm a Jew and they're a Gentile. I'm a, I'm a citizen and they're a barbarian. I'm a slave and they're free. Um, should I accept this person or not? Let the peace of Christ decide. And what would the peace of Christ decide? He includes Greeks and Jews, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarians and Scythians, slaves and free. I think that's what it means. It's not necessarily a private thing. It's a community thing. Among us, let the peace of Christ act as the judge. Should I accept that person? Should I be kind to that person? Let the peace of Christ decide. What would he dictate? What did he do? He extended the gift of eternal life to all who would believe in him. Not all, not all accept, but it was extended to all. The peace of Christ encourages compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Well, I don't have to be kind, humble, patient, gentle, and compassionate toward them, do I? Okay, I'll tell you what, let the peace of Christ decide. What he determine? And we follow that lead. That's what it means, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It's really ruling your hearts and minds. Um, Jesus' peace coaches us to accept unacceptable people. The peace of Christ moves us toward compassion, kindness, and gentleness, and away from judging and quarreling. Jesus had some instructions that are in line with Paul's command to us here, and it is a command. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Um, we read in Luke 6, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. What is being condemned here, what is being forbidden, is not courts of law. So nobody should judge in a court of law. That's not what it's talking about, that God has given responsibility to government to enact laws, and that's not what it's forbidding here. What it's forbidding is an interpersonal judgment. It's forbidding when, or prohibiting, criticizing or finding faults with others, fault with others, especially within the body of Christ. It prohibits tearing others down to build oneself up. And, um, it also says in Second Timothy, Paul writes, don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. What it seems to be suggesting here is avoid inquiries that lead to quarrels. Arguing and quarreling wins battles, but loses the war. 
and with respect to letting the peace of Christ act as judge. I need to really dress that person down for their views. If you let the peace of Christ decide, you're not going to do that. Again, we, it's something that we're drawn into, something easy to do. But um, arguing again and quarreling, win battle but lose war. So avoid inquiries that are going to lead to being polarized. And that's what it seems to suggest. Paul had some strong words for dealing with uh, a certain kind of person. Here's what he said. One, a divisive person. A divisive person is a person who takes something and uses it to divide people. That's what a divisive person, when it, and especially within a Christian context, what it would mean is to take maybe a legitimate Christian truth, not a major truth, a minor one, like how to baptize someone, or how to take communion, or how to pray, or what version of the Bible. Something not a major thing, not a Jesus thing, not a salvation thing. It's something minor. And a divisive person takes a minor thing, magnifies it out of all proportion in order to divide congregations. That's what Paul is saying. Warn a divisive person once. That's what Paul is instructing Timothy to do. So Timothy had some people in the, in the church that were apparently doing this, and what he says, Timothy, okay, warn him once. Hey, you know what, let's, let's tone down a little bit on that's the only version of the Bible that we can take. Okay, let's, let's kind of set that aside. Let's agree that that's not as important as the major thing, which is who Jesus is, what he came to do. And then he says, warn him a second time. And if there is not a compliance, then it's interesting. Accept barbarians and Scythians and Greeks and Jews and circumcised and uncircumcised. But what Paul is saying, and again, is, but if you warn a divisive person and warn them a second time and that person still creates rifts, still creates disunity, that's a person to walk away from, which is interesting. Um, it seems that there is a strong word to steer away from factious inquiries and divisive people. This, to tell you the truth, is a really tall order in our day. Very difficult, especially in the Christian church, especially in the political and religious climate we find ourselves in. It's a, it's a really tall order. What I want us to bake back up and consider is that perhaps it wasn't as tall an order in their day. And why that is? Because this is what church would look like. Church would meet in a courtyard. It would be maybe 30 to 60 people in a courtyard, maybe less in a living room, maybe a little bit more. But the church wasn't a huge conglomerate. It wasn't thousands of people. It wasn't millions of people. So the command to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to be kind, humble, gentle, patient, forbearing, was not something that you were going to have to practice to these people that you didn't know. You were going to practice it here. This is what the church was like. Here is what. So you had to practice it 
not with nameless, faceless Christians who occupy a different maybe value than yours, but you had to apply this to Joshua and Samuel, to Ruth and Naomi, to people that you met with within the context of this house church, this insula church that you would be a part of. Um, They would have thought of it, they would have applied it in a small community. Uh, When they applied, let the peace of Christ rule, they would not be applying it to vaxxers or anti-vaxxers. They wouldn't be applying it to Republicans or Democrats. They'd be applying it to Samuel and Ruth and Naomi and Joshua to people that they met with in their group that they had come to know over the time that they met together from week (coughs) to week to week. People that they knew. People whose kids they knew. They knew more about these people than how they voted on a particular issue and how they stood with respect to a particular cause. They had a fuller knowledge. Would you agree with me that knowing someone deeply serves, gives some natural protection against judgment? If you know somebody deeply, you're less likely to reduce them to a yes or no on a particular issue? Would you agree with me? If you know somebody well, you know their kids, you know their parents, you know what they do, you've spent time with them, you are less likely to reduce them to a vote on a particular issue because they don't just reflect a particular stand on an issue. They're a person. I know this person. I spend time with this person. I have a relationship with this person. I'm not going to judge them based on yes or no on that black or white issue. No. It's Kim, it's Janice, it's Brian, it's Shane, it's John, it's Carol, it's Lori. You'd be less likely to define someone relative to their stand on a particular topic. You know, but we live in a time, again, we can't turn the clock back. And now, when we apply this Christian command, we try to apply it over the entirety of this global church, but that's not what it would have meant initially. Uh, And we live in a tough time. Imagine, they didn't get a bunch of news back then. We get news, and we know about things going all over the globe. Uh, Social media encourages, again, it's part of our life. We're not going to not do this, but social media encourages more black and white characterizations. Um, polarizing news sources encourage quarrels. And it's where we get our news, and we're not going to get away from it. I guess maybe something we might talk about, dialing down a little bit on it, and if not, when you come into a place that is the body of Christ, don't divide people based on what you hear from a polarizing news source, not here, 
Because this isn't the place where yes or no on a particular issue. This is the place where Samuel and Joshua and James, you know what I mean, this is the place that Jesus has invited different people and we're supposed to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. And what that means, we're supposed to deal with one another kindly and gently and passionately. We're supposed to forbear with one another. When we have a grievance against somebody, we try to release it. That's what it means to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Um, and you know what? Frankly, you could tune down rhetoric, and that's not, frankly, we need more. Because it's not just tolerate different people. What we're told is we have to love them. And love enemies, I'll tell you what, that's not something that you can will. How can the peace of Christ help us? Give us the strength to do something that's very difficult to do. Um, we need something more powerful than the peace of Christ. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. I am going to tell you what we're going to do at the end. We did it last week, and we're doing it again just as a little experiment. Um, this is a very different thing. I'm up front. I'm standing. You are there, and you are sitting, and you can see the back of people's heads. And what we're going to do toward, for the last 10 minutes of the service, we're going to leave here, and we're going to go in the fireplace room. Uh, we're going to ask you to grab a chair, and we're going to circle up and just kind of do it the way they would have done it in the early church, in a courtyard. And that's this is roughly, not the same size, but not too dissimilar to a courtyard size. And so what we'll do, I will ask you that with respect to uh, give people some room. We're going to gather together, and COVID things, we're not going to, some of us can ask you, so that's okay. Just, just if you need a little bit of space, then have the space, and so, but we'll do that for the last 10 minutes. But not right now. Let me, a couple other things. Um, with respect to the peace of Christ, here's what it says. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? That there is something that we can do that would allow us more and more, little by little, to move away from judgment and quarreling. Because the peace of Christ is going to encourage that. But what the peace of Christ will do, it'll guard your heart and mind so that you'll find yourself less drawn into judging and quarreling. And it won't just be because you're trying hard. The peace of Christ is powerful, and it will have a protective effect to keep you from going and to move you towards, move us towards being kind, humble, patient, gentle. Um, look what it says about how does that work. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When Paul writes this, there are some women in the church that are in leadership, and there's some really dicey things happening in Philippi. I think what's happening, these women see there's influences that are entering the church, and they understand that these influences are going to be, that are going to be harmful. 
And the person who is in charge of the church in Philippi, the overall guy, I don't think he's listening to them. And they are becoming very concerned. Now, again, their issues were real. It's not just that they have this issue. It's not just a personal thing. I think it was important. And what Paul is telling them to do, to you, this, these women, Euodia and Syntyche, I think what he's telling, okay, here's the deal. I know that this is concerning because the issue is important to you. And the issue is important. They were concerned about something important. And he says, here's what you do. Don't be anxious, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends, it trumps understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And what he's suggesting there is it, it's not don't worry about it, because there is something to worry about. What he says is, talk about it, not just to one another. Talk to him. With thanksgiving, think about the fact that you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Think about that. That's where you're going to land. Think about that. That you are his son and daughter, and he asks you to enter the throne of grace and speak freely. You know what he wants you to do? Don't just talk to one another about it. Talk to me about it. See, we care about some very important things. There are some issues that divide us, and those issues are important. Don't just talk to one another. Don't just quarrel and judge. Talk to him. Talk to him. God, I'm concerned about this. I see this. And when you talk to him today, the good news is, you'll have to talk to him tomorrow. And the day after that. And the day after that. And that's what's going to happen. Little by little, the peace of Christ will start to create a protective perimeter. And I think what that means, we will find ourselves being drawn less and less into judgmental and quarreling actions and into actions that are more in line with the peace of Christ. Um, God dispatches his divine peace to protect our hearts and minds when we present our requests to him. You know what we might do as a prayer? When you think about, what should I ask God for? I think a couple of things that I ask him for when I ask him about things that matter to me and uh, wisdom. You know, a couple of requests based on what we have this morning. God, help me to be less judgmental. Both of myself and others. Help me to step aside from quarreling. God, help me to be kinder, gentler, more patient, more forbearing, um, able to teach, less reactive. Think of the things that the peace of Christ would encourage in us and ask him for those things. You know what you'll find? Asking create an ability, the peace of Christ will start to take up residence, little by little. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Little by little. You find 
it protects your heart, and, and you find yourself, your pulse rate going down just a little bit, warmth extending a little bit more broadly. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to close this, and briefly, we'll be done in 10 minutes. We're going to, and the kids are going to join us, actually. We're going to, we're going to go in the back. Let me just pray for it. In fact, let's stand for prayer. Father, thank you for Paul and his uh, experiences and his knowledge. And he, tasks, uh, he tells us to let the peace of Christ act as a coach, umpire, rule in our hearts. And that doesn't mean that we make subjective decisions based on we feel peaceful about it. It's more a community thing. That's what I think he had to, that's what he meant. So thanks for that. And I'd ask that you would continue to draw us to yourself so that we could sit together and walk together and stand together in Jesus' name. Amen.